Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. I can be a guy who gets lost. Huh? Anybody have a problem? Do sometimes your priorities help you forget your mission? Huh? How many guys have priorities going on, and all of a sudden you find, like, I forgot what I was really supposed to be doing? Anybody ever done that? Huh? And I get, I get sidetracked, you know, on the way to things, and, and I, I can really quickly forget what I'm about. Some of you may or may not know, um, I suddenly have become an elected official. Wow, that's crazy. And, and, uh, I didn't see it coming. If you'd have asked me on November the 19th, 2016, Aaron, what is your plan for the future? I would not have said get elected to office. I wouldn't have said that. An opportunity presented itself. A couple guys asked me if I'd consider doing it, needed a spot to be filled. We prayed. I had several people pray. And the resounding thing was God said yes. And everyone was like, oh, Aaron was going, oh, no. Oh, no. And then I developed this idea. I learned from a guy who already was in office what I ought to do. So I put my list together, right? I should do this. I should do that. I should be here. I should put this together, blah, blah, blah. And I started going down the list, checking off things. And the funny thing about it was, as I was walking around the neighborhood, uh, my, 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 my priority was to make sure I won an election. And right in the middle of that priority, I found that I was supposed to be on mission. Because I wandered up one day upon a guy named Brian who had recently lost his wife. And when I wandered to his door, we began to talk about things and then tears began to flow down his face. Because he's trying to put life back together. And it's not that he doesn't care about the, the city or the neighborhood that we live in. It's that he's just so ravaged by grief, he don't know what to do. I get a chance to tell Brian, Brian, I'm praying for you, man. I, I hate this is going on. And suddenly I'm not just some guy trying to get a vote. I'm a dude who's another human being who hurts for a guy who's in bad shape. You know, I, I, another guy I, I met, I went back to his house twice. One day I, I had gone out, and, I, and he was in the same exact boat. He lost his wife, and he was kind of tore up. And I had gone to the, to, to the local branch of the, the library to kind of get my bearings about me, what I needed to do next. And I was sitting in the parking lot, and I looked over across the street, and there he was sitting on his porch. And I had some things to do, and I wanted to, I'd already hit his street. I wasn't going to go hit his street, and I thought, I can't, I can't not go. And I walked up on the porch, and he and I sat there together and talked about his life and, and, and tried to spread some encouragement because he's just walking this thing out. He's suddenly all alone, doesn't know what to do with it. And I started to realize, you know what, this is bigger than just getting elected to office or getting some legislation accomplished. It's bigger than that. It, it, it's about making sure people know Jesus. And I wouldn't have been at Brian's door, this other guy's door, had it not been that God had me on a, on, 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 doing, performing a task that I had a priority to get accomplished, and my priority could have gotten in the way, and I'd have missed my mission. And so often, many of us have tasks to accomplish and priorities we're trying to get done. And when we try and do those, we miss the mission, right? Are you like that? You, gotta, you, gotta, you, you, miss, you miss the chance. You miss the, 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 the place. You, you got your priorities, and you think they're straight, and you think they're good, and you think, and what happens is the, the important, sometimes the seemingly urgent, intervenes or interrupts what the mission's supposed to be about, right? 
because you got to pay that bill or you got to pick up that stuff at the grocery store. you got to make sure that kid gets to whatever practice or, or social event or, or whatever. And all of a sudden, life is really crazy. And all of a sudden, we, we, we've, we, we've had a chance to, 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 to be in mission. And we're not. You know what? You know what happened one night on, uh, after a council meeting? I literally walk out of the building. Me and, me and another council person are standing next to each other, next to our cars. We're, talk, we're, we're talking chit-chat about our wives and our kids and just being proud papas, you know, and just goofing off and, and laughing. And, and we're on opposite sides of the political spectrum from one another, but we're sharing stories about God and salvation and things like that. And uh, while we're standing there talking on Paint Street in Chillicothe, Ohio, a guy walks up, and we start having this conversation. He's, he was trying to sell comic books to get enough money to buy food. And I'm not one who's just going to hand out cash, right? Because I think it's about circles being better than rows, right? Funneled him some cash and went, hey, get on down the road, get out of my face. I got things to do. And I looked at him and I said, so, dude, tell me your story. He starts to tell me his story, and one thing led to another. And what I found out, he had been raised by his grandparents. His, his, his parents were addicts, and, and he's never really known what a family's really supposed to be like. And then I found out, I found out I did his dad's funeral, you talk about a God moment. And I'm supposed to be city council Aaron at that point, not Pastor Aaron, right? But really what I am in all those things, I'm follower of Jesus Aaron. And so I look at him, I was like, man, can we pray? And so me and another council person and a homeless dude are praying in front of city council chambers together. And then I get a Facebook message like later that night from this other city council guy. Dude, that work on the street was awesome. Can we do that again? And he walked this guy across the street to get a cup of coffee. See, we can lose, we can, we can be so caught up what we're, what, we're, what, we're, what we're somewhere to do that we forget we're to be on mission. We can become so captivated with things and life and stuff that we forget. It'd be real easy to keep driving past Zane Trace and just think we got other things to do, things to keep doing, blah, 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 blah. I, I got to sit in the media center Friday afternoon with a couple of people who were having gender identity issues. Just saying, hurting, looking for answers. And I could be so captivated because I had a marriage retreat to get to. And I called Ty Wortman, the guidance counselor, and I said, you put a petition out. You said you needed some guys. You still need guys. Aaron, I would never tell you not to come. Okay, I'm there. It's my mission, my, 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 my priorities are I'm supposed to be a husband. I'm supposed to be a father. I'm supposed to be a pastor. I'm supposed to be, and I got, I got a lot going on, right? But if I've. Don't pay attention. I can, get, I can forget the mission. Tomorrow morning, guess where I'll be? I'll spend four hours at St. Trace waiting for kids who need just to process and talk about because they've invited me in for another time on Monday morning. And I got things to do. It's not that I don't have things to do. It's because the mission is that, that important. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we have to be about that, that mission, that idea of, of being what God wants us to be. So I'm going to say something several times um, this morning. That, that you're going to hear over and over again. We've been talking about the six G's of mission. Anybody know what they are? You know what? The, the, just the G words. Anybody remember? Huh? Who said? They're all over the place. Let's do this way. Everybody say this. Say. Everybody say God. Okay, that's G one. Glory. Okay. Gospel. Grace. Gathering. And going. Okay. 
God, glory, gospel, grace, gathering, and going. That's, that's what it means to be a follower. Of, those, those six G's kind of encapsulate quickly what it means to be a follower of Jesus and, 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 and the things you ought to be about. But I'm going to say this um, several times this morning. I want you to kind of, kind of grab a hold of it with me. That, 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 I'm, 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 I'm so sidetracked. I'm sweating. Listen to these words. When we go with the gospel in grace, God is glorified. Our gathering is enriched and we all grow. When we go with the gospel in grace, God is glorified, our gathering is enriched, and we all grow. I added a seventh G to you, a grow. Because we all, we all got to be about growing. Spiritual, spiritual growth is not optional. And there, there are certain things we, we, we've got to be about. So what is the mission? We've talked about the mission of God. God's, God's mission is this, God's glory throughout all ages. That's beyond space, beyond time. God, God is determined that he will be glorified in everything, everywhere, every place, for, 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 from eternity past all the way into eternity future, and that, 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 that's what he's about. His church, the greater body of Christ, that mission is about this, God's glory to all nations. Inside this place of time and space, God's got this entity that transcends all kinds of barriers. Socioeconomic barriers, ethnic barriers, denominational barriers, all sorts of those kinds of things. And his plan is that this gospel be preached in the lives and the hearts of people all around the world, that every nation on the planet, he said the, the, the gospel will be preached to every nation, every group of ethnic people. That's the word, what the word nation means. It's not geography. It's about ethnicity. It's the Greek word ethnos. Until every people group knows the gospel, then the end will come. Okay? That's his plan for his entire church. Church triumphant is a segment of that. So what's her mission? Her mission is this. God's glory over all this vicinity. What does that mean? Where our lives reach into the lives of other people, where our normal routines and movements of life intersect with, with workers and neighbors and family members and, 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 and other people, uh, social activities and, 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 and recreational activities and athletic activities and, and social clubs and different things like that. Wherever the people of God's life interact, the vicinity, the region around them knows the glory of God. And Ephesians 1 says these words, In him, you. Now here's what's going to look at. Look at your neighbor and say you. Look at him, look at him and say, he's talking to you. Come on, man. Y'all really don't believe it, right? Because if he's talking to somebody else, we're wasting our time. We, 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 we should go be, you know, getting ready for football or something. He's talking to you and he's talking to me. In him, you. In him, me. In him, us. Listen. I'm having a problem with this today. I don't know what's wrong. Are you with me? I'm all upside down. I'm sideways. I don't know what's going on. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the gospel coming to live alive in our lives. That there is a living life for us to live. And in that living life, as the people of God, there, there, there's a power, a strength that comes into us because of two things. Because God cared enough to come in the form of Jesus Christ, we believed in him, and he came to live inside of us. And in that moment, things change. The Bible says if a man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has gone, the new has come. And he's talking to all of us who've taken him up on that offer 
to walk with himself, to know himself, right? He says this, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until, everybody say until, until we acquire possession of it, comma, now listen to the next line, to the praise of his glory. The significance is this, we are in a thing where we have come to know Christ, we've experienced salvation, we've been set apart, but the process is not completed yet. One day we will cross over from this life into an eternal life. That will either come through the doorway of death or through the doorway of, of, of Jesus coming to get his church. At that moment, the process will be complete. But in the meantime, waiting for that moment to come, we live to the praise of his glory. Are you with me so far? There's this, there's this, this already but not yet moment, okay? We have already been birthed into the kingdom of God because of the sacrifice, the grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're, we're beginning to walk this thing out, but it's not yet. We will receive the fulfillment of our salvation at one point in time. Everything will be in an instant as it should be. Oh my goodness, I can't wait for that. But in the meantime, my, my requirement as a follower of Jesus is to, to live to the praise of his glory. That's the one thing I'm responsible for, that my life interacts, intersects with other people's lives, and it, it begins to bring about what we talked about sitting on this couch, that suddenly just interactions in a concession stand aren't just interactions in a concession stand. That just painting a wall just isn't painting a wall. That just showing up to work just isn't showing up to work. That just being a neighbor just isn't just being a neighbor. Are you hearing me? So here's the deal. Our connection to God, the greater church and one another, is what gives God glory. Okay? Our connection to God, the bigger body of Christ, and these personal interactions we're having right here are what brings God glory. In John 15, Jesus begins John 15 by saying these kinds of words. I am the vine, you are the branches. Okay? Speaks of connectivity, doesn't it? He's the main stalk. There's these branches that come off. Every branch is connected to the other one. Why? Because they're connected to the main branch, who is Jesus Christ. Okay? Now that speaks to the body of Christ as a whole, but it also speaks to each of us as individual branches. And in our connectivity to him, things happen. In our connectivity to, other, to one another, things begin to transpire. It's like this. Derek has an idea. Hey, let's do something good for the school. It's right up, right up the street from our church. Okay. Tasha says, how can we do that? They're connected. They're beginning to talk. All of a sudden, they bring it to the rest of the church leadership. Hey, we got this idea. What if we do this? What if we do that? What if we talk about this? And then all of a sudden, connections start to happen inside the body of Christ. And then suddenly, other people's lives begin to get altered. Are you with me so far? And so we are, we are about that. In John 15, 8, Jesus says these words. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. When, do, when, when are you his true disciples? When you produce much fruit. Let me say this to you. Not when you shout and holler because the pastor preaches a good message. When you, as a vine connected to the main branch, bear much fruit. Because it's really easy to think that it's my job, right? 
I mean, that's what we're doing. You're you're the pastor, Aaron. You know, you get a you know you get a check from the church and blah blah blah. And you, you, you know, if some you should and I am about that. Don't don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I, I try and you can talk to my wife. I, I I live for that moment where I get to talk to somebody about Jesus and disciple them. Don't don't misconstrue. But listen, my real job as a leader is not for me to do all the work. My job as a leader is to make sure you're capable of doing the work. Go read Ephesians chapter four. My job is to make sure you are equipped to do the work of ministry. And so when your life produces much fruit, it brings glory to God. But you're not going to produce fruit unless you're connected to Jesus. You're not going to produce much fruit if you're not connected to the rest of the body of Christ. You're not going to be produce much fruit if you're not connected to this local body of Christ in some dramatic, deep way. First Peter, or, or, or somebody changed the setting on my, on my iPad because it keeps going dead on me. Listen, listen, to, listen, listen to these words. From 1 Peter 2, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. There's your sphere of influence. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. That's you. That's me. How many of you guys have neighbors? How many of you know your neighbors by, by, on a first-name basis? How many of you have done more than just wave when you go by the house? Anybody ever had lunch with your neighbor? Anybody ever bought a nice gift for your neighbor? So this is being the body of Christ. You see, the more I keep asking deeper questions, the less and less people respond. Because sometimes we're all about doing so many other things, we forget what the real mission is. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we get so busy doing church work, we forget we have neighbors. Did Aaron just say that as the pastor? Yes, I did. Because here's the deal. You're responsible for your neighborhood. You're responsible for your family. God placed you there on purpose. The house that you live in, the job that you have, his plan is for you to glorify him in that vicinity. Not just to drive out, clear out 180, 10 miles outside of town and sit inside of a pew, inside of a building and sit in a pew and listen to a guy preach and spit and sweat and clap your hands when the music's playing. That's the real mission of the church, and I enjoy all of that. But listen, sometimes we can get so sideways with priorities that we forget the mission. Are you hearing me? We will drive right past the mission every day of our lives. God's heart for CT is this, that this vicinity would echo the glory of God, that he would pour down his spirit through our lives on the people around us. And not that they would just, just pray one day at an altar or something like that, but their whole life would change. How they live, how they see life, how they walk out life, how they interact with friends and family, that it would all change for his glory, right? So, I gotta get, this is frustrating. Our human relationships are, this is what Oswald Chambers says our human relationships are the actual conditions in which the ideal life of God is to be exhibited. Do you hear that? Our human relationships are the actual conditions in which the ideal life of God is to be exhibited. Actual relationships. Not church attendance. Not my name showing up on a schedule somewhere. Not me anonymously putting something in an an offering envelope and so a missionary can go do it. 
When we go with the gospel in grace, God's glorified, our gathering is rich, and we all grow. Now, how are we going to do that? There's three really simple phrases I'm going to say from this point on. Living simply enables us to focus on our going. It's important that we go. For a long time, we have been concerned about coming to church. And the mere use of that phrase completely obliterates what the gospel is all about. Because the church was never, in Jesus' mind, a building. Ever. Jesus did not create, Jesus did not say, did not die to build a building. He did not. He did not, he did not do that. He died to save a people who would live life for his glory, and that's what the church is. We've been busy coming to church when we should have been busy being the church. And so we have to be busy about our going. And living simply enables us to focus on our going. Matthew 6.33 says these words, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. That means to live in correct relationship to God and correct relationship with your neighbors, with the people around you. That's what living righteously is. And he will give you everything you need. So you get captivated with your priorities of things you think you need, and you forget the mission. I need to go to work. I need to pay the house payment. I need to go to the grocery store. I need to make sure the kids get to and from practice. I need to make sure that happens. I need to mow the grass. I need to make sure that we, I need, it's, it's, it's false. I need to make sure the guys are coming this week to suck up the leaves. I need to make sure those leaves are in the pile in front of the house. Am I right? And none of those are bad things. But oftentimes the good things impede the opportunity for the God things. Satan rarely shows up in our life with a pitchfork and a red suit. Rare, 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 rare. Usually he comes dressed up really nice in a, in, a, in a business attire, and he speaks very smoothly and casually to us and talks us into doing things that he, think, he thinks are important for our lives. Am I right? And so this is the thing. Paul, Paul writes these words. Look, look at Philippians 3. Listen to these words from Philippians 3. It says this. This is the Apostle Paul. He had a lot going on. Okay, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a missionary. He was an elder in a church. He was, he was a traveling companion. He was a tent maker. The dude had a lot going. He traveled constantly. He was always around. And listen to the words he says here. Listen to this. I don't, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection or maturity. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He, he's located something most of us don't realize. We are not our own. Paul's like, I don't run my own life. I don't make decisions for me. I listen to the Lord Jesus. I am his possession. I am his. He's mine, but I'm his more than he's mine. I do what he says. I live the way he lives. And listen to what he says. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I know this Apostle Paul. He's got, everything. He's got a lot going on, right? He's writing p- p- books of the Bible. He's traveling here, there, and everywhere. He's, he's, doing, he's conducting ministry meetings. He's, he's getting stoned and left for dead. He's getting put in prison. There's a, this dude's got a lot happening. Okay? I mean, got a lot he's trying to juggle, and he says these words. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this. I focus on all these things. He goes, I focus on this one thing. One thing. 
Not many things. I focus on one thing. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Other words, I know God's heart is himself to be glorified. That's what I'm worried about. And one day I'm going to step across the line of heaven into eternity, and I'm going to stand before him. And the one thing I'm going to be judged on is how he was glorified in my life, not anything else. I'm pressing towards that mark. I'm pressing towards that moment. Now, I can be a husband. I can be a father. I can be a worker. I can be a pastor. I can be a coach. I can be a PTA person. I can be an athletic booster. I can be all that. But my one thing is not to be all that. My one thing is to glorify God in all of that. Are you hearing me so far? I can be a council person, but my one thing is that God be glorified in my coming and going, right? You hear, you hear what I'm saying? And so that, that's what he, he's saying is, and he, he goes, I, I'm this, I'm this, and then he goes, us. God's calling us. He's not just calling me to that. He's calling all of us as followers of Christ to that. And that's a beautiful thing. So to live simply is one way. Next piece, loving deeply. Loving deeply gives power to my going, to our going. Listen to Matthew 22. Jesus says these words. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally like it, equally important. Like your neighbor as yourself. Like your neighbor as yourself? You guys didn't even stop me. You're going to let this preacher preach something that's not the gospel. Are you really going to do that? Because if I ever do that, you need to run me out of town as quickly as possible. This should be my last Sunday standing here. In fact, I shouldn't even complete the service. Are you hearing me? Like your neighbor, like you like yourself. Huh? Love your neighbor like you love yourself, right? As you love yourself. The entire law and the demands of the prophets are based on these two things. God knows life gets complicated, and we can worry about every commandment, every law, everything going on, and he says, I give you two. How many of y'all like lists? How many of you get, get a long list going, and it just gets overwhelming, and you want to pick it up, throw it in the trash, right? Like, okay, I can't do it today. I, you know what? Sports Center's on. Great. Anybody do that? God makes it real simple. I give you two. Love me, love other people. Can it get any simpler? It can't really. Think, think, about, think about a couple months ago, we had a lady named Shauna Shanks here. She spent a part of her growing up at this church. She now attends Open Door, and she's a, she, it's a beautiful story she has. And, and her, her, her marriage almost collapsed. But you know why it didn't? Because she did this. She loved deeply God and somebody in her life who didn't deserve it. A husband who was running around on her. And she, she took 1 Corinthians 13 as if God really meant it. That love should be patient and love should be kind and that love shouldn't be boastful. That love should believe the best. That, that, that love, and, and, and all of a sudden it begins to revolutionize how we live. And I told you last week, the Bible tells us that the way we love others is taking care of them the way we would take care of ourselves. That's the implication. And so if my neighbor needs time, I give it to him because sometimes I need time. If my neighbor needs food, I give it to him. You know why? Because sometimes I need food. If my neighbor needs encouragement, you know what? I give it to him. You know why? Because sometimes I need encouragement. 
It's not that hard, right? You should, you should do for the people around you the same thing you'd want done to you. That's what Jesus says. We call it the golden rule, and we teach it to kids, but we don't live by it on a normal day basis. I should treat my spouse the way I want to be treated. I should correct my kids the way I'd want to be corrected if I were them. Uh-oh. Aaron, you just went someplace. Uh-huh. I should treat that coworker who absolutely drives me bonkers the way I'd want to be treated if I were driving another coworker bonkers. Huh? I, sh- I should, and that those things. Jesus says these words, if you love me, you'll obey me. All over the Gospels, Jesus makes a statement like that. But you know what I find? We only love him to a certain extent. Until he says something like this. Forgive that person who's, who's committed 490 times of transgression against you. That's kind of hefty, Jesus. If you love me, do what I say. Right? We, we love him until he does ask us to give generously. And then we're like, yeah, we got bills to pay, Jesus. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't. We, we love him and, and, until... You know, he says, yeah, actually, yeah, honestly, just honor your, honor your husband. Respect him. You don't know my husband. Oh, yeah, 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 I do, actually. I know him really well. Yeah, I know he can be a jerk sometimes. You know. Yeah. Yeah, husband, lo- love your wife like I love the church. Give yourself for her. She is so mean and cranky. And she's like, you know, you don't think I don't know that? You should, hear how, you should hear how she talks to me about you. <laughs> you don't think I know? I do. But if you love me, do, do what I say. Galatians says, this, some of us talk about having great faith, that we know things, you know, we're real smart, and we, we can figure out the Bible. And the Bible says this, faith works by love. That's what Galatians 6 says. Paul was at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13, I can know all kinds of things biblically, but if I don't have love, it doesn't matter to hoil the beans. And this is where, I, this is where the rubber meets the road. We've got to be there. I read, I read an article this week where a guy talks about our three neighborhoods I thought was really important. He, he was talking in reverence to this passage of Scripture where Jesus talks about the great commandments, and he, he did, this really smart guy steps up and says, so, Jesus, uh, who is my neighbor? And Jesus responds by talking about the good Samaritan. Now listen to these words. To the first century Jew, the idea of a Samaritan was ludicrous. At best, the terms were oxymoronic. They didn't make sense. Samaria was in the middle of the country of Israel. A packet, listen to this, talk about, talk about you know, relevant for our day. A packet of pluralism made up of ethnic half-breeds and worth, worse, spiritual half-breeds. Part Jewish and part Assyrian or Gentile, their degrees and pedigrees were looked down upon by the religious establishment in Jerusalem. Five centuries earlier, Ezra and Nehemiah's nemesis was an infamously obnoxious Samaritan named Samballot. And so he's saying, listen, I want you to love the worst of the worst. The ones you look down on. The ones you're most frustrated with. The ones you think are an enemy. He can go through the list and he says, that's what I want. And he says, so we all need a nudge to help us identify who our priority, who, I love this. We all need a nudge to help us identify not what our priorities are, but who our priorities are. Is that a great line in that article? That's awesome. God is not silent or subtle on who deserves our time and attention first. 
He talks about our family neighborhood. Our family neighborhood includes our biological families as well as ourselves. Our friendship neighborhoods. Our friendship neighborhood includes our friends, church members, and if you're a pastor or somebody who has a, you know, like, like lives a staff situation. Our global neighborhood. Our global neighborhood focuses, focuses us on the unchurched, the unsaved, and the unloved, both across the street and around the planet. And then he goes, dot, dot, dot. If our Lord was a friend of sinners, why wouldn't we intentionally do the same? Wow, that's strong, isn't it? It is important not to get the great commandments out of order because doing so will lead to walking in open disobedience and potentially idolatry. Both have weight. Love God, love with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, love your neighbor as yourself, but not the same weight. The second commandment is very important, but without the first commandment, loving our neighbors amounts to little more than idealistic humanism. Now listen to these words. As our love for God grows, an inevitable overflow of our, for our neighbors will follow. We've got to live simply. We've got to stop making excuses why we have our, all these other priorities and realize our one goal is to glorify God. That is it. Anything that interferes with that, I've got to eliminate. Anything that keeps me. It, it, some of us keep such crazy schedules. You know what we do? We, we use them as an excuse to be angry, frustrated, and mean with everybody else around us. You just don't understand what i got going on. And God's like, slow down. Phil encouraged us last week before service started, be still and know that I am God. Right? Loving deeply. You have, you, you have not an excuse. As a follower of Christ who's, who's had the love of God lavished upon you, you have not an excuse not to love God and not to love other people. It, there is none. There is not one excuse. There, there, you cannot find it biblically that God's like, yeah, you get a pass. You get an exemption. Nope, no, no, no. Doesn't matter what ethnicity you come from. Doesn't matter what socioeconomic background you come from. Doesn't matter what denominational slant you come from. Doesn't matter what country you come from. Doesn't matter what, 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 what other things happen. What, what, what gender identity issues you're experiencing or, or whatever. All of that makes you a candidate for the love of God. And the way he's going to love you is through other people. That's his choice. That's how he does it. And we are that vehicle. So how do we get there? We live simply, we love deeply, and we work persistently. Some of you walked in here today, and you're almost like this, going to throw your hands in the air and just quit. Because so-and-so is not giving you the time of day. Because nobody's paying attention. Because, you know, well, that woman of mine, she don't even pay attention to everything I do good for her. Those kids, they're disrespectful. They're ungrateful. That boss of mine, oh, my goodness. You know, uh, and, and you're just you're ready to throw in the towel. Let me, let me read something to you from Colossians. The Apostle Paul writes these words. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. The reason you're about to quit is because you forgot who you're working for. You think you're working for your spouse. You think you're working for your kids. You think you're working for that boss. You think you're working for, for, for that paycheck. You think you're working for that notoriety. You think you're working. And, and if you are working for those things, no wonder you're wore out because they will never fill the hole inside your chest. Only he can do that. And you've got to live life working for him, and you have got to stay in there because the Bible makes it plain. If we resist the devil, he flees from us, and God gets victory. We cannot give up. Galatians 6, 9, and 10 says this, Do not lose heart. 
For in due season you will reap a harvest if you don't lose heart. So let us keep doing good, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Keep doing good. Do not lose heart. Paul would say these words, therefore we do not give up. You know what we don't give up? Because we stop looking at the things that are seen. Because the things I can see, the things I can equate, the things I can tabulate, the things I can put on the spreadsheet, the things where I can put the tally marks on the wall, those things are temporary things. The things I can't see are eternal. And I focus on that. My outward man, he says, might be perishing day by day. But on the inside, I am being renewed and I've refused to give up. And this dude was beaten to a pulp on numerous occasions. He was imprisoned for no good cause. He, he suffered greatly and he kept going. Jesus, the Savior of our soul, walked all the way from Pilate's court, condemned, accused, wrongfully, all of that, and walked up the hill, taking stripes on his back, pulling of his beard, mocking and spat upon, took nine-inch nails in his wrists and in his feet. And you know what he didn't do? He never quit. And he laid in a grave for three days, and he still didn't quit because he came up out of the thing. Yeah. And you know what? The same spirit that lives in him, his spirit, the one that raised him from the dead, the one that propelled him down that way, lives in you. And you should work persistently because he is all that and he knows you're not. And he'll make up for your weakness. In your weakness, he is shown to be strong. So don't quit. If you've walked in here this morning and decided it was worth giving up on, don't give up. This week we've seen what it means when somebody gives up and they think they don't have hope and they didn't realize what the, how their life interconnected to a lot of other people. Don't quit. Do not quit. Please. Oh, boy. So. Live simply. Love deeply. Work persistently and consistently, and you will see the mission of God completed in your own life. When we go with the gospel and grace, God is glorified. Our, our gathering is enriched, and we all begin to grow. Can I say something to you? We gather to go. We don't gather to come. This is not the point. Su su Sunday morning isn't the point. If you think Sunday morning's the point, you've missed the point. The point is that Jesus wants to empower you to go change the world, to, to change the sphere of influence, to be an impact for his glory, for his honor in the lives of other people. If this is the totality of your spiritual awareness is what happens on Sunday morning, you, you, you listen, you, you do not understand the gospel. You don't understand the scripture. You know, it is a piece of it. God calls us to gather together. It's, it's a part of being the body of Christ, but it is not the point. The gathering is for the purpose of encouragement, empowerment, and equipment, equipping so we can go be the people of God. We don't gather to come. We gather to go. This is prep time. This is pep rally. This is game film because the, the, the real thing is outside the locker room. None of you would think Ohio State was great if they never left the locker room. Wouldn't matter what kind of inspirational speeches Coach Meyer gave, what JT Barrett stood up on a bench and rallied and slung his towel, and they were, boom, they're the, they're the greatest team. And they just, when, when, the, when the time went up, they're just sitting in the locker room, right? Boy, they're a great team. Look at them. They're dressed so nice. 
Look at those uniforms. They have practiced all week. Those guys are awesome. And the whole time, Illinois is just running up and down the field. Touchdown, nobody's out there, right? But as a church, we often think, we get in here, this is it. This is not it. There's a dying world out there that needs the gospel of Jesus, the love of God, the spirit of God to infiltrate their lives, and God's going to use you to get it out there. Don't gather to come, gather to go. Are you with me? Oh, boy, I'm sweating. It feels good sometimes. I just can't get it all out most of the time. I'll wear you all out. I know what I'm wearing me out too. I'm gonna get a good nap later sometime. Woo! Listen to Titus 2:11. For the grace of God has been revealed. Now listen to the next line: bringing salvation to all people. That is God's heart. Everybody within a driving radius of church triumphant, God's heart is that they would know the salvation he's making available to them. That is his plan. He, the second Peter 3 says this, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is his plan. That, that is his heart. How, how is he going to do that? Because you and I go. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. That's that living simply thing. We get captivated with, with crazy things, and we, we miss the point of why we're supposed to be out there. We think it's about being happy and about being comfortable and about collecting things and, and making money and having a retirement plan. And, and, but it's not that. It's about, it's about turning people to Christ. We should live in, in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, right? Well, we look forward with hope that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Yes and amen. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us. Now listen to this word. And make us his very own people. Listen to the next line. Totally committed to doing good deeds, working consistently. It's all right there. So let me ask you a question. I'm going to quit. No, I'm not. I just told you not to. Let me ask you a question. Are you living simply or is life really complicated? Do you have enough priorities that you're sidetracked and you're forgetting what your mission is? That's a real, it's a real point. The Bible tells us in Matthew 13 that the, the, the thing that pulls out the, the, the power of the word of God is the cares of this life. It sucks out the, the, the power of the life of the Word of God in the life of the believer. It, it, it sucks it up like, like weeds around a, a plant. It, it just sucks the life. Are you living simply or you got a lot going on and you can't make sense of what you're supposed to be about? I will, I will tell you this. All of us are like that, but if we lose track of every arena, my one job is to be the glorification of Jesus in that arena, then I'm on, I'm on the right track. And if I find that I can't, then i got to eliminate some things. I got, I, got, I, got to, I, got to, I got to eliminate some things off the schedule. I got to eliminate some commitments. I've got to take care of them, or I, I can't get. Okay. Let me ask you a question: Are you loving deeply? Are you are are, are, are are is loving God the most important thing in your life, or is it waxing the car? Is it fishing off the boat? Oh wait, wait a minute! I forgot we're in Southern Ohio right now. It's November. Hunting. Is hunting more important than Jesus? I don't think hunting's a bad thing. I do, but I kind of like deer meat, honestly. But if it becomes more important than me doing what Jesus wants me to do, loving him, let me ask you another question. Is football more important than Jesus? 
Dude, I kind of dig on some Buckeye football, man. But not more important than Jesus. Huh? Let me ask you another question. How, are, you ready, are you ready to keep working? Because some of you did come in here today, and you were ready to quit. Three different people prayed the same prayer in prayer this morning. That some of you were bent over. You were tore up. You were shredded. And you were looking for hope. Can I encourage you today that the same Jesus that walked up to the hill and through the end of the tomb lives in you and is available to you today? The same God that empowered Paul to overcome all of that stoning and being beaten and being imprisoned, the same one, he's available to you today. Some of you already quit on your marriage. Don't quit. Some of you already quit on your job. Don't quit. Some of you already quit on your kids. Don't quit. Some of you already quit on your church. Don't quit. Some of you already quit on 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 giving. You're ready to quit on forgiving. You're ready to quit on on all. Don't quit. Don't. Thanks for listening to the CT podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.